Just such, such a great week down there. Amazing stories, and uh, you've, you've heard some of them there. There's so many more to tell. What, what a privilege it was to be down there. Oh, you can watch it again. There it was. Did it start again? Um, <clears throat> at the start of the week, I gathered everyone together in the house that we were staying in, and uh, we opened up the Bible together, and we looked at a passage from the Gospels where Jesus took his followers, and he sent them out to go and proclaim the good news about the kingdom of God, how it was going to break into this world. And he sent them out to go and pray for, for people who didn't yet know of this good news, that, that the kingdom would break into their lives through healing and deliverance. And we, we studied this passage together. We saw what we could learn. This morning, I'd like to, us to look together at what happened when the 72 that Jesus sent out returned back to Jesus and how he debriefed with them. So you can find the passage in, in Luke chapter 10. So you can grab a, a pew Bible or your, your smartphone. Uh, Luke 10 verse 17. And Jesus has just commissioned 72 of his followers. He sent them out. He's told them, go preach the good news about the kingdom of heaven and go heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. Go pray that God's kingdom will break into people's lives. So they go out on this mission, they go and do it, and now they return. And this is what Luke records about the return of the 72. Verse 17. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, And nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I ask that this morning we would know of your joy, that we would know of that same joy that those 72 felt. And God, that you may spur us on to participate in your work of building your kingdom on this earth. That we may see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. We've been in a whole season of prayer here at Chapel Hill. Since September, we have been preaching and teaching and praying, and we went through the Lord's Prayer. During the fall, we prayed through the prayers of darkness in Advent and the prayers of light in Christmas. And this winter, we've been looking at praying for others. We've called this sermon series Intercede, and we've been praying for the church, for our nation, for our city, for marriages, for our kids. And today, we come to praying for unbelievers those who don't as yet believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And you may say to me, Ellis, what on earth has a passage about Satan falling like lightning from heaven and treading on snakes got to do with praying for unbelievers? Well, the 72 were sent out by Jesus to pray for unbelievers. They were sent out not only to proclaim the good news of the kingdom, but to pray that that kingdom would break into people's Lives, And so I think this passage is very relevant to this topic. And I think there's an important lesson that we can learn from this passage. So Jesus sent the 72 out to pray, to proclaim, and they came back. And in verse 17, we, we read what 
their response was. It says the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. They came back and they were amazed. They were astounded that God could use them. That God would, would use these, these followers who, who themselves didn't have anything to offer, but with the power and authority of Jesus in them, they saw amazing things take place and they were filled with joy. And you saw that same joy on the faces of the people in that video, the faces of those 10 members of this church who went down to ASU. The amazement of God would actually use me when I stepped out in faith, trusting and relying upon him, he would actually use me. And Jesus follows this up with a comment to, to kind of re-emphasize the fact that, yeah, God really did use them. This is what Jesus said next. He said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Jesus reminds them that, that this mission you went on wasn't just a physical mission, but ultimately it was a spiritual mission. That you were in the midst of a spiritual battle. And you, as my followers, with my authority, made a dent in the kingdom of darkness. Satan fell like lightning from heaven, Jesus says. I saw this impact that your ministry made. He he backs them up and he goes on further in verse 19 to say, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. And Jesus reminds them that that ultimately that authority came from him, that he was the one who had given them the power to do the things that they did, and that he was the one who protected them in the midst of that, that as they went out into the midst of this spiritual battle, into the midst of where the forces of darkness were at war against the forces of the kingdom of God, that Jesus protected them and kept them safe. When we were down in Arizona, one of our team, Stacy, uh, woke up on Thursday morning. We were there doing, doing work Monday through Friday. Thursday, she woke up and she felt really sick, really ill. And to make matters worse, she ended up dropping her phone in the toilet. So she came with us into uh, uh, to campus, and every morning we would gather as a big team, all the RZIM, the, the campus ministries, and us, and we would have breakfast, we would pray, we would worship, and she came for that, and she was just feeling worse and worse the whole time. And so as we set off to, to head on to the campus, she decided to stay behind. She found herself a, a couch, and she laid down and tried to take a nap. After a little bit of time, someone came along and, and said to her, I'm really sorry, we got this room booked. You're going to have to get up off of the couch. And so at this point, she realized, well, none of my team know where I am. She grabbed her phone, turned it on, and there were just lines all over the screen. The phone wasn't working at all. So she said, I guess because no one knows where I am, I'm, I'm going to have to go onto campus and find everyone. And so she went onto campus, and, and she felt like God was saying to her, Stacy, I've got work for you to do today. So she went to one of the lunchtime events. Every lunchtime, we'd, we'd have an event with a free lunch and a, and a talk and a time of Q&A. And she grabbed some food, and, and then she, she stood there and looked at the room, and she prayed and said, God, where do you want me to sit? Who do you want me to sit next to? And she saw these two young women right at the back, and there was one seat in between them. So she went and sat down in that seat. And after the talk, she, uh, she started engaging them in conversation. One on her left was a Chinese gal, and, and she invited an international campus worker to come over and talk to her. And then she turned to the one on her right. Her name was Julie. And she began to talk with Julie, and as, as they uh, engaged in conversation, it became clear to Stacy that God was really at work in Julie's life. 
And so Stacy, after talking with her, posed the question, Julie, I wonder, is now the time that you want to make a commitment to follow this Jesus that, that you've been hearing about? And Julie said to Stacy, yeah, I, th- I think I do want to make that commitment. And so Stacy had the privilege in the, in the midst of her sickness, in the midst of her feeling rough and terrible to pray with Julie. And the kingdom of God broke into Julie's life right there and then. She transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Five minutes later, I caught up with Stacy, and she just started bawling, just crying. Because she could not believe that God would use her in the midst of her weakness to do something so amazing. You know, Stacy was caught in the midst of this spiritual battle. Satan did not want her to go out onto that campus that day. And you know, the next morning she woke up and turned on her phone and it was fine. And it's been fine ever since. By mid-morning the next morning, she was 90% better. She was running around campus the next day like a madwoman, I tell you. Okay, this was a one-day freak thing. And she was caught in the middle of this spiritual battle. Satan wanted to pull her down. But Jesus sustained her. His power and his authority worked through her. And he protected her so that she was able to lead this young woman to profess faith in Jesus Christ for the first time. And I tell you, that, that picture will stay with me of Stacy's face with tears streaming down and utter joy coming through. This deep, overwhelming sense of joy. And I imagine that that's exactly how the disciples felt. The 72 felt when they came back from this mission, this, this sense of God used me. He, he, he protected us. He, he, his power and authority came through us and, and I'm overwhelmed with joy. And then Jesus makes kind of a strange comment at the end of this reading. In verse 20, he says to them, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And to me, that kind of seems almost like a rebuke. But as I thought about it more, I I came to understand that what Jesus was saying to them was, don't rejoice in the power that you've been given. Rejoice instead in the power giver. Don't rejoice that the spirits are subject to you. Rejoice that you are a part of God's kingdom, that you are a part of God's family. Rejoice that your names are written in the book of heaven. When I was growing up, my dad spent a lot of time working on his sports car. He bought this Caterham 7 before I was born and it broke down and he decided, you know what would be a good idea? Let's take the whole thing to pieces, engine and everything all the way down and build it from scratch again. And it was a multi-year project. And I remember as a child going out to the garage and, and spending time with my dad helping him build this car. Now, I was, I was useless. with car- I'm still useless with cars. I could hold a tool, I could pass him things, but honestly, I I didn't help. In fact, I probably got in the way more than I helped. He probably could have done it a lot more efficiently and effectively without me. But here's my abiding memory of those times, is the joy that he had because I was present with him, and the joy that I had because I was present with him too. That as we were working together on a common project, on this building of this car, in one another's presence, that it deepened our relationship, 
and that we experience joy in that relationship with one another. He delighted in me and I delighted in him. After my dad passed away last year, my mom sold the car and it went on to achieve fame beyond anything I think my dad could have imagined. It went on to grace the pages of Classic Car Magazine in the UK. And for me, when I look at these pictures, when I open that magazine, I'm filled with joy. And I tell you, I'm not filled with joy because I think, wow, I had a part in making that car. I was a part of getting a car on the pages of Classic Car Magazine. That's not where my joy is coming from. My joy is coming from that relationship with my dad, from that time spent together, from those, those memories of a father and son working together on a common project for a common cause and delighting in one another's presence. Our heavenly father is building his kingdom here on this earth. And he could do it way more efficiently and effectively without our help. He could snap his fingers and have this thing done. But he doesn't. Why? Because he longs for us to spend time with him to be a part of the work that he is doing, to invite us into the workshop, to invite us to join him. And he wants to use us because it brings him such delight and because we also experience such delight in that process. So when these 72 return and Jesus says to them, don't rejoice in the power that you have, rejoice in the power giver, he's reminding them that ultimately it's not about the things that you do, it's about the relationship with the Father. That when you stepped out, that when you went out, yes, amazing things happened. But what you should be rejoicing in is the intimacy in that relationship that you experienced as you went out and you joined your heavenly father as he was building his kingdom on this earth, that you spent time with him, that he is delighted in you and that you can find joy in that relationship, not in the works, but in the relationship. And so when it comes to praying for unbelievers, which is the topic that we're addressing this morning, The truth is that God is not dependent upon our prayers. He does not need our prayers to accomplish his kingdom purposes. But he delights in us joining him in his work. He chooses to use our prayers. Like my dad chose to use my help on the car as I passed him at all, as I held something for him. God delights in choosing to use your prayers, in choosing to use your evangelism, your proclaiming of the good news about Jesus. He is overjoyed when you say, I want to join you, Father, in your mission in this world. I want to participate in the building of your kingdom. God doesn't need us to pray for unbelievers, but God desperately wants us to pray for unbelievers because he delights in us choosing to join him in his work. And we experience joy in that process. When I was at the Oka with Vince, Vince was not only my tutor, but all of us were a part of small groups, and Vince was my small group leader. And at the end of the year, my small group gave Vince a a gift. We took a photo of ourselves and we put it in a frame, and uh, Vince proudly displayed this this photo in his office for, for many years to come. And about three or four years after I graduated, 
There was a, a young man who came to study at the Ocker. He came into Vince's office and he saw this photo and he went over to it and he started studying it. And, and he said, Vince, is that Ellis White? And Vince was like, yeah, do you know him? And all of a sudden, this young man started going, no way! And he shared with Vince, he said, I prayed for Ellis during high school. I saw him as this, this rugby player who was one of the lads, but, but I knew he could be a great leader. And I prayed that his, his faith would become real and living for him and that God would use him. And, and not only I, but I had friends who were praying for him and there were teachers who were praying for him. And, and now I, he came here and he did the ochre. And then Vince shared with him that I've gone on to work for a church and tell people about Jesus. He was just overjoyed at the fact that God would use his little prayers. That God would choose to use them to accomplish his kingdom purposes. God didn't need to use this young man's prayers. But he wanted to. And he delighted in using them. And in turn, this young man experienced the delight of his father when he came to realize, wow, God God loves me. God delights in me. So when it comes to praying for unbelievers, we don't have to do it. God doesn't need it. He's not dependent on it. But when you do, God delights in it. You experience his joy. You find joy yourself in the deepening of that relationship. And so my question to us all this morning, all of us who are followers of Jesus, is why wouldn't we pray for those who don't yet believe? Why wouldn't we join our heavenly father in the work of the building of his kingdom? And so I want to challenge us all today to start praying for people in our lives who don't yet know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And the way that I want to challenge you to do this is to grab this bookmark out of your bulletin. If you did not get one, I would love you to grab a bulletin on the way out. Okay? Before you leave this building this morning, I want you to write down the names of five people in your life who don't yet know Jesus, who don't yet believe in Jesus, that you are going to commit to pray for. They could be friends, they could be family, they could be co-workers, they could be neighbors, they could be people from school. Five people in your life that you are going to commit to pray, that they would come to consider seriously what it means to know Jesus personally. And I want you to take this bookmark and I want you to put it in your Bible. And when you open your Bible up, which I hope you're all getting an opportunity to do on a regular basis, when you open that Bible up, I want you to pray for these five names. And I want you to join in the work that your heavenly father is doing. Experience his delight, his joy. He delights in you heading out to to his workshop. Spend time as he's building his kingdom. Now, maybe you're all high tech like me. I don't like paper. I want you to grab your phone right now. Permission to grab your phone and go to the app store. And I want you to download this app. It's called Echo. I use this app 
to help me pray. It's really simple. There's two buttons on the main screen. One says add a prayer and the other one says pray now. And I want you to add five names into this app. Before you leave the building today, and I'm going to give everyone time in a moment to pray and ask God, who are these five people that I need to write down their names of? I want you to add those names into the app or put them on the bookmark. And then if you're using your phone, when you go to read your Bible, if you're doing She Reads Truth or He Reads Truth, I know a youth are doing that. Um, if you're using the U version, whatever it is, if you open up the Echo app and pray for those five names at the same time. Because I want us as a church to join in the work that our Heavenly Father is doing in this world and experience His delight as His children join in with Him. And so I'm going to give us a moment to reflect. But also in this time, I want to recognize that there may be people in this room who wouldn't call themselves a believer of Jesus. And you've heard what I've said this morning. You've you've heard me tell these stories and and maybe you're sitting here and you're going, I want to know that delight of the Father. I, I, I don't know what that feels like. I want that. Maybe you're saying, I want to know what it is to be used by God in that amazing way. And so I want to give you an opportunity in a moment, if that's you, to respond and make a commitment today, like that young woman Julie did in the story. Make a commitment to follow Jesus, to know the love of the Father, to experience the power of the Spirit at work in you, and to step out in God's mission and to begin praying for your friends to come to know that love of the Father in the same way. So we're going to take a moment of silence now. For those who who are followers of Jesus, I want you to reflect who are those five people. For those who are not followers of Jesus, I want you to reflect, is, is now the time that I want to make a decision to follow Jesus? So let's take a moment in silence to do just that, and then we'll pray. So Father, we come to you this morning and we bring you these names. You know these people. You created these people. You know their inmost parts. You knit them together in their mother's womb. And God, we ask that you would do a work in their lives, that you would transform their hearts, that they may come to consider seriously what it means to know Jesus personally. God, that you would enable them by your spirit to respond to your call to come and follow your son, Jesus. And God, we pray for us as followers of Jesus that you would make us good examples to those who don't yet believe. That you would help and enable us by the power of your spirit to show your love, to show the love of Jesus to those who don't know it. That God, you might use us, use our prayers, use our words to share your love with others. And God, that you you would bring us joy in that process. That we would know the joy, the delight of you as we participate with you in the building of your kingdom. And now as we continue to pray with every eye closed, every head bowed, if you're here this morning and you're wouldn't have described yourself as a believer in Jesus as you came in, but you've heard these words and you say, yes, now's the time I want to make that commitment. Would you raise your hand this morning to say that you want to follow Jesus? Thank you. Thank you. And I want to pray for you now as you make this commitment today. Father, thank you for those hands that were raised. I 
ask that you would now come into their lives, that they would come to know what it means uh, to, to know Jesus personally. God, that you would transform them from the inside out. Would you pour your spirit out upon them? Would you wash them clean of their past? Would you make them new men and women? Would you transfer them into the kingdom of light? And God, would you fill them with your spirit that they may be empowered to step out and share your love with those around them who don't yet know that love. And God, may they know your delight today as they've made this decision to follow Jesus, to turn away from their past and to walk in the newness of life that you have to offer. God, I pray that you would be with them. In Jesus' name, amen.